listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined, as always, by Philip Russell and Ryan Shutt, and we are coming at you on a lovely Sunday evening following a uh, entertaining game of basketball against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. One that I know many people have many opinions on, and we will definitely talk about it for sure. But before we jump into the week that was in Suns basketball, how are y'all doing? Because the listeners probably don't want to just talk about basketball. They probably want to hear about you guys. I'm doing good, man. It's We're a couple weeks out from Christmas, which is great. This period between Thanksgiving and Christmas is just probably my absolute favorite time of the year. There's finally a crispness in the air here. Uh, not crisp, crisp, crispness for Christmas, not Christmas uh, here in the air in Florida. It was a little chilly today, which was awesome. Looking forward to some cooler days ahead. So uh, outside of the sports world, which uh, for the teams that I love is a dumpster fire right now, uh, i.e. the Red Sox, the Suns and the Vikings, who have all had terrible weeks. Uh, life's good. And I get to hang out with my two uh, best best buds here talking some Phoenix Suns basketball. Daddy Philip, how are you? And that's referencing to him being a father, not a nickname that I call him personally. <laughs> just, just to be clear, go ahead. Ethan wasn't entirely truthful right there. Sorry. <laughs> but, but I'm doing well. I'm actually very ready to talk about this. I, I watched a lot of Suns basketball this week. I thought a lot about the Suns. And I wasn't on Twitter very much, so I know Good Twitter call. is melting down. Oh, so your mental health is in peak capacity right now. You're doing good. I, I keep myself now. Some some days I ignore it, but I give myself a 15 minute timer on my phone every day for Twitter, and then I get locked out. So I try to try to some, stay. That off. is some maturity right there, yeah. my guy. Yeah, some days, some days, but. But again, like I'm trying to avoid like all the noise that the house is burning down right now for the Suns, and I'm ready to uh, talk about it to you because welcome to Into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast where you don't find overreactions. We sure That's try not to. We sure try not to. And I think people think it's a shtick at this point of like, y'all just don't want to. Mi- no, we, that just ain't it. Like, and, and I'll be honest, Philip, I know you said you were ready to talk. I've been ready to go because I. I have just been struggling to get to where it seems the majority of the fandom is, whether it is extreme hatred of a certain team or fan base, whether that's extreme hatred for a son's player or coaching decisions or whatever. Like I'm just not there. And sometimes again, sometimes I just wish people would realize it wasn't that long ago that we had a 19 win season. So having some, some good perspective or or some a little bit of optimistic goggles placed I think can do wonders but I don't even think it's a stretch to come to a reasonable view of this um before we jump in I know we kind of rushed straight through it here wanted to say again we are part of the bright side podcast network we appreciate them feel free to go check them out feel free to check out uh the articles that are popping up Philip and I will be on at least one of those a week on the the bright side page um, I will say I turned in my answers for the fan table the moment I got them, either Thursday or Friday. So when they come out Tuesday, 
some of those answers may not look as good. And people are going to be like, oh, wow, no. Ethan's an absolute idiot having those opinions after uh, everything that just happened. So eh, it is it is what it is. So um, let's go ahead and just for those who have not watched, for those who have not seen the scoreboards, for those who only get their son's news because they listen to this podcast. Let me share with you what you've maybe missed in the last couple of days since we uh, last talked on Tuesday. The Suns have been doing not so great um, in terms of final scores or uh, wins and losses. So let me share a little uh, bit about that. Is that how that works? Um, mm-hmm. So since we last recorded, the Suns played the Celtics and lost by 27. They then played the Pelicans, lost by 11, and then lost in overtime to the Pelicans by five without Devin Booker, who hurt himself in the last game against the Pelicans. So we're down another player. Not ideal. We have now lost four straight, starting with the Mavericks loss, also less than ideal. And we have been manhandled by two big, giant man babies, uh, which is what I would refer to as Luca or Zion, who are younger than me, yet are built like freight trains and can absolutely destroy anyone in their path. And we also got wrecked by two highly talented, skilled players who are built more in the string bean anatomy such as uh, Jason Tatum. Now, he's got some muscle on him. Philip. I see you give me the look. He, he is definitely grown, but he's not a Tonka truck that rolls down the lane. What I'm saying is we've been destroyed not by the same exact thing over and over. We've been beaten and exposed in a few different ways. So lots to take in, lots to learn. But at the end of the day, Suns are on a four-game losing streak. Uh, the first one since... 2020 right before the season shut down due to covid and the funny story after the the third loss was oh that first three game losing streak since since the western conference finals i was like our western conference playoffs i was like ah yes let's bring that up some more and now we get to jump all the way back to pre-covid where somehow that sounds better worse unsure but anyway suns are in trouble it seems suns didn't lose three straight in the western conference playoffs I want to just stick the knife in further. That would be a three straight last time would have been uh, the NBA finals. That's what it was. I'm sorry. That is, that <laughs> Ethan, is correct. Ethan I, and I, having been there, at, just blocked that whole, I will say, that whole thing in, out of, in out my brain. That I remember, didn't exist. I remember me and Ryan driving to Milwaukee and being like, man, this is great. I remember us sitting in the seats, the sun's getting a lead and being like, man, this is great. And then it gets really foggy. <laughs> I remember Cam Johnson dunking on someone, but then it gets foggy again. We um, were definitely so slipped something. Like we, we, it, yeah. it's a, it's a bit of a blur. But we were. I remember being there. Uh, but yes, you are, you are correct, Philip. Um, so let's 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 rip the bandaid off. Let's get into this, guys. Um, in putting together the the rough show notes, what I wanted to talk about, I didn't want to do our very kind of traditional. Let's talk game by game. I think. That could have been one, not very fun for the listener who I do care about, whether they believe it or not. And two, had the ability to potentially come across as just piling on of we're going to go around the table and take metaphorical dumps on what we witnessed. And I don't want that to be the case. So the the opening kind of discussion point topic, whatever, that I want us to start with is just Looking at these four losses, what are some things we have learned about the Suns? Internally is not the right word, but I just mean like 
inside the building, inside the team, the coaches, the staff, the players, the GM, the whatever. I don't want to compare to the outside world quite yet. I want to say what we have right now, what have we learned? Um, I'm guessing there's lots of things that could be discussed here, and that's totally fine. Uh, but Philip, I'll, I'll turn it over to you first. What's something that you learned about this Suns team through these last four losses? I don't think these four losses necessarily taught us this, definitely reinforced it. And that's that the Suns entering this season with the roster they entered with always had a very slim margin of error when it came to being one of the best teams in the league. What I'm saying with that, the Suns need to be at full strength to be the dynamic, exceptional team that we've been used to watching for the last two years. And when a Cam Johnson's out, when a Chris Paul is coming back from injury, when a Devin Booker goes to the bench with, I think, a hamstring injury, Mm -hmm. they're just not going to look great. Maybe on a day like today, I thought they looked good against a very good Pelicans team, but they're not going to look great because they need, need all of their pieces in play in order to look like they have the past two seasons. One thing for me is that it reinforced just how good Devin Booker and DA are playing right now. Um, to, to be where we were going into this losing streak, I think is a lot to do with the talent that those two have brought and have really carried the team in a lot of ways. Those are the two players who have been most consistent from the from really from the jump I know DA the first few weeks we even called into question some of his early play within those first 10 games or so but but book and Aiton have really carried this team to the point that we can go on this slide right now and and you know we're we're not looking at you know sliding down to seven eight nine we're sliding down to four uh, and still being in a good spot um, as as we move forward so I think the two of them uh, it, it's showcased just how good the two of them are. But I also think one of the things that this has noted for me um, is how do I look at the success of a season in context, right? So to to say what we've seen is the picture of who the Suns are isn't totally fair, seeing as we've only seen what the Suns were built to be going into the season for really the first 10 to 15 games. And that's when everything derailed. We haven't really truly seen with longevity who this team is built to be because we've been so plagued with injury. So it's hard for me to gauge what any of this means with so many pieces kind of coming in and out of the picture. Here's, here's my, I'm not even sure it's a counterpoint, just more of a follow-up. I think we have seen what this team is and we saw them get eliminated from the playoffs last year. Like, here, here's my thing. Did any of us think the team got better from last year to this year in terms of the offseason? You guys. No, I, I mean, but we're not, we're not a 40-point down I, team to the Celtics either. I, my, here's all I'm saying. Not enough happened in the offseason for us to, in my opinion, have increased expectations for what the team is capable of. I think at the beginning of the season when everyone was healthy, we saw what they could be, and that looked a lot like last year. Good defense, very together. When the offense is clicking, it's going to be really hard for anyone to stop them. So I agree. I think what is frustrating me about what appears to be an implosion in some areas of the fandom is 
why aren't we beating top three teams in the West when we are down a starter? One starter just got back from being a month out. And then in tonight's case, we have no book, which is like losing two starters. That's where that's where I'm getting frustrated to some extent, because if if you look at another team who is so their success is so predicated on everyone being out there, they're not a well, Luca plus four anyone's can probably go scrounge some wins. That's not how we're put together. And Philip said it, the margin for error is so slim. If one piece of the puzzle falls out, things, things get, I mean, it's like a machine, like one little gear shifts a little bit. It might still go forward, but it's not going to be what it was. It's going to be clunky. It's going to catch a couple times. And sometimes it's just going to blow up. And then you put it back together and figure out what went wrong. And and that is my thing of people, people were tweeting like, Oh, how embarrassing that this is the rotation we have going into overtime. And I'm like, what do you expect? Johnson's out. Booker's hurt. DA fouled out. And I think he played a good game overall, like a a good game overall. And Chris Paul gets fouled out on a very questionable call that had to be overturned that I'm not going to say one way or another what the right decision was. But I'm like, what do you expect? Like, I thought they showed a crap ton of heart to play a very good Pelicans team again in a tough environment and take them to overtime. That included a very good run to get back into that game and some very good looks from guys like Tory Craig, who I think really showed up in some big areas Landry Shamit, who for some reason is the punching bag of the fan base on Twitter, who even Eddie Johnson, who is very slow to point things out that, Never mind. I'm not going to go there. Eddie, Eddie's great. If you listen to this, Eddie, <laughs> no, my, my, my bad, homie. I don't <laughs> think you're great at what you do, but you could hoop, and that's awesome. Landry came in and was immediate difference maker on defense and in terms of getting the offense going in many ways. Like He stepped up. Jock was in a tough spot. I'll just say that. He was in a tough spot, and I don't. I think he had some very glaring mistakes, but he's also in a very difficult position to succeed. Uh, go ahead, Philip, and then everything I'll, I'll bring up the comment we got here. Everything in overtime from Jock is forgivable. Like he, that's not him. That is not Jock's role on the team to go out there against another team's starting unit when the game is that deep and give you good productive minutes. So you can pretty much chalk the minutes he gave in overtime and look at what he gave in regulation. And I think there was a lot of good, at least this afternoon from Jock. And then the other night, like his offensive rebounding has been so good. So again, this reinforces what we're saying. When the Suns pieces are filling the role that they were brought in to fill, they're really good. I have, I have an exemplar of that, but let's, let's carry on. I mean, if you have an exemplar, please exempt. No, it's my low for the week. Oh, sorry. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, um, no I, I, I think, well, let's go ahead. Let's, I want to pick up something we talked about at the end of last episode. I talked about the missing star power from this team. I don't think this run of games speaks loudly as much to the sun's lack of star power, but I do think it shows the value in the star power to the other teams. And I want to, move that into the other question I had for you guys is like, what does this teach us about the Suns in relation to the other teams in the league? 
I think last season, especially coming off the finals run, last season the Suns were in tier one, right? I think I think we knew that. I think we had high expectations. I think the NBA fandom as a whole knew that the Suns were a top tier team. Now, not everyone was saying that they're finals winners. A lot of people had doubts, I think some valid doubts, but they had cemented themselves in that upper echelon within the NBA. And I think no one who watched the games would argue that. This season, I think we saw a very wide range, both from the media and the fans, of what this team should be, could be, etc. A lot of people thought we are a, a title contender. Um, some people thought guaranteed playoffs, we'll see what happens. Some people said, well, technically we didn't get better. I don't know why you'd expect more. To you guys, uh, my question is this. After watching the teams we played against this week, and then also looking at the season as a whole, do you think it's possible that the expectations maybe are a bit too high for this team with the current situation they are in? With a point starting point guard who's been out for a month finally coming back, with a starting player out, with a starter from last season sitting on his tuchus somewhere, dot, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think we have incorrectly established the expectations? In comparison I to the league. I don't want to browbeat a straw man. So let's let's try to be even more specific about the expectation that we're talking about. So do we want to talk about like the Suns being contenders? Is that the conversation we want to have? Yeah, like, let's let's do that. And I think that okay. ties into Aussie Suns fans uh question. And thank you for kind of clarifying that in the comments for me. They were came, making the point of after last season how it ended. The expectations for this season were who cares about this, the 64 wins? Who cares about the regular season wins? It's the end of this year that matters. We need to do everything we can to set ourselves up to contend. And I think that is exactly where you've kind of walked us into, Philip. Are the Suns contenders? I would quickly say no. No. They're not, they're not real contenders compared to the rest of the league. And what we have to do this because I know people are going to freak out as currently constructed yeah and i i do not think the suns are contenders throughout the league and and i'm not just talking about the boston game like clearly net rating wise a historic duo in jason tatum and jalen brown like they are contenders maybe the top contender in the league right now right it was a finals team that got better yeah Mm -hmm. but weeks months even ago the three of us had conversations even on this pod where I said, I don't think the Suns are at the top of the league going into this year, no matter what they do in the regular season, because there are other teams who I trust more. There are other teams who I think are constructed better for the playoffs. And if we want to, we can kind of get into who those teams are. Uh, are you well, cool I with think, that? Yeah. I mean, I think we, uh, you've already mentioned one. I think we yeah. watched one, if not two this week. I think the Celtics are a unanimous pick amongst the group, right? Would anyone disagree with that? No, Just, I, I, oh, to me, they have yeah. to be the favorite at this point. Yeah. yeah. So I put, I put three tiers to talk to because then like the rest of the tiers, like, I don't know. I kind of wanted to call it like the French division for the teams that are going to tank to get um, Wemby, but I did three. Actual contenders wouldn't surprise me too much. And then teams that really would 
really would surprise me. Um, so Boston is definitely in the actual contenders group for me. Well, go ahead, go ahead and share your list, and then we can kind of just run off that. Who else do you have in that? Tier? Milwaukee. Yep. And then it's got to be Golden I, State, right? It is. Right. It is. I, I don't. I don't care that they're close to five hundred right now. They they can look so good and so deadly and just took it to Boston without Andrew Wiggins. Like they are when it, it's like the opposite of the Suns. It's like you would kind of expect the Suns to look really good in the regular season and then to have some big time struggles in the playoffs. And with the dubs, it's like they're going to look, however, in the regular season. But when you get to the playoffs and you're rolling out Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, Steph Curry, and then you're going to bring Jordan Peele off the bench or Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, uh, in the words <laughs> of Jordan Peele, nope. Yeah. Yeah. nope. But it's like they're they're so deep, and then they have young guys who could get better. Like they have it, they have it for me this year. So actual contenders, I just have those three. Do you guys have any more who are I, actual contenders? To I'm you? kind of with Aussie Suns fan. I, I I said coming in, I thought the Pels were a dark horse. I I think the Pels could give it a legitimate shot. I really do. If you're playing with CJ McCollum, B.I., and Zion playing at top basketball, that is a contending trio, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the one question I had going into this year was how is Zion going to fit? within this team's current construction and it's a little misleading too they're on a hot streak right now and that's without brandon ingram and tinfoil hat ethan says that's not a coincidence and this is what i mean by that like yes they have lost a dude that is a dude like we saw in the playoffs but i think that's what allowed zion to do what he's done in the last few games because the ball can only be in one person's hand at the same time and I think it's very clear as one has left, one has risen. And when Ingram comes back, I think it goes back to my initial question for the season, which is, okay, how does, how does this work? And so I, I think they have the coaching for sure. I think, I think Willie has done well. I think they have people running the show who seem to know what they're doing, which is good for them. And they absolutely have lots of good young talent. I'm not ready to throw them into Celtics, Warriors, Bucks because they've not shown it yet. If that, which yeah, is why I'm I wouldn't call them. A that's contender. the three, but I think the Pels are right there, knocking behind them. Yeah, and that's that was the first team that I had in my wouldn't surprise me too much. So Pelicans, 76ers, Joel Embiid is just unbelievable. He, when he's healthy, when he's right, he's so good. And then with Maxi and Harden, you you have something there that has a possibility of being really good. Grizzlies, I think they went toe to toe with the Dubs last year. They can they can hypothetically take that next step. And then I waffled on this one. Don't be a waffler. The Nets, Kyrie, with Kyrie and KD. They're so talented. I know defensively they're going to have a problem, but any team with Kevin Durant going into the playoffs with a talented supporting cast, I wouldn't I wouldn't faint if I went into a coma, woke up and heard that the Nets were at least in the NBA finals. 
All right, so real quick, actual contenders. I have Boston, Milwaukee, Dubs, and we're saying kind of collectively like maybe the Pelicans. They're the next get team there. up. They're, they're yeah, on next, deck. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to Question, put it. Question, because and then, I feel like I might have to eat crow on this one. Where do you guys put the Lakers? Because I've enjoyed dancing on the Lakers' grave the last year and a half, but they've been playing a lot better. Uh, the I likelihood didn't. for I, – I can't see that happening. I just can't like there's their, their roster is so bad aside from one dude who is absolutely ascending and LeBron, who I still think will have a tough time in a seven game series. If it were to come to that personally, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in any of the three groups that Philip is detailing. Although I, what was the title of the third group, Philip, before I S- surprise teams, like if they are in the NBA finals, Oh. And definitely if they won it, I would be genuinely surprised. But these aren't – I don't think these are outlandish teams. So this is where I have the Suns. I have the Clippers here, the Nuggets, and Cleveland. Yeah, I can't – the only team that I think some people will potentially throw out there would be the Grizzlies. I think some people are so high on Memphis. I think if you were, I, I think they'd be a fringe group three team. And I mean, if you're putting the Suns there, I feel like you have to put Memphis there, to be honest with you. I had Memphis in group two. Did you have, do you have in group two? Yeah, oh, okay. the wouldn't surprise me too much was Nets, Phillies, Grizzlies, Pelicans. Sorry, 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 you're sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I would put them more in group three, personally. I'm trying to think here if I disagree on any others. The Clippers are still super weird for me. Same. I still have no conclusions on the Clippers the way they've handled their roster who plays who doesn't play it's making it near impossible to come to any conclusion other than there are talented dudes there but who does what and when so I don't know I might the Nets are confusing too to be quite honest like they just had a crazy stretch where their defensive efficiency was actually quite good Mm -hmm. uh do I think that's normal no I don't uh but yeah, I think I think if the whole point here is looking to see where the Suns fit in, I I think they're in group three. I think they were in group two, mm-hmm. and they have fallen to group three. I would agree with that. And that's not just because of, and this is where people are probably going to get upset, that's not just because of the injuries. That is, from what I have seen or not seen, from the entire like holistic view of the team, because I think part of it when properly grading these other teams is can they survive when someone goes down? I think a lot of them can, mm-hmm. and some of them approved it. I think the Bucks are a great example of that, of what they did without Middleton, which is legitimately one of the most impressive things we've seen in the playoffs of late, yet it gets completely overlooked because of the outcome. What the Bucks did without Chris Middleton was insane. And I think the Suns have shown that that's not them. I think the Celtics added enough key depth pieces and also someone like Malcolm Brogdon. Are you kidding me? That trade for pennies is insane to me still. Like I, I agree. I think, I think it's interesting. Uh, Aussie Suns fans saying Suns are still in group two. I think you can make that argument. I, I do. Um, but I think, I think somewhere in the two to three range is comfortable for sure. Um, but I don't know. It's just tough for pe- to see people react to one of the losses this week as if it were this is the end. 
just doesn't make sense to me, I think, because of everything we talked about in current in terms of the current status, as well as the even if everything was great, our our expectations. And, and my question is, do you think the only reason the expectations are there is because of the regular season win total from last season? Like, do you think that the historic success of the regular season last year is the reason the hype is what it is. Cause I'm a, I'm a be, I don't, this is going to get me destroyed and you can tell me if I'm being an idiot and that's fine. Y'all clip this. Throw it on Please, Twitter. Don't. Please don't. We have an NBA finals run that was wonderfully well fought with a lot of things going our way. Yes. A lot of things going our way. <laughs> Injuries abounding but not with us. A lot of things worked in our favor. Doesn't mean we didn't play great in a lot of great games. Individual performances galore. Anyway, we have that. We follow that up with best regular season in team history. First team All-NBA, second defensive player of the year. Get a six-man vote a couple times. Like, that's great. And then we flame out in a historically disgusting manner in the playoffs. I think more people looked at the finals and the regular season wins and said, that's who this team truly is. They should be able to repeat this. I think there's validity in looking at how they lost in the playoffs and saying, maybe we should have focused a bit more on the deficiencies here that led to this happening. These things for our expectations to increase, those things needed to change and nothing changed during the off season. Why would our expectations continue to go up? Or even stay well, where they are. Is that I, is that too? No, but I think critical? you touch. I think you touched on one of the things that's lacking, and it's the context behind the finals run. I think a lot of people failed to remember all the things that played out that allowed us to be in the position that we did to make that finals run. All the injuries, all the the, the series where teams were missing key players, because we enjoyed the finals run so much, we kind of forget some of the context that laid the roadwork for that to be possible. So when you're just looking back on the the results of the last two years, you say we've but got see, that if, finals if run. If I'm playing devil's advocate, though, I then say, but then you do 64 regular season wins, and that sure. that should tell its own story. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is that's not enough to, to hang your hat on. I think you have to take the, the context uh, in totality of the 64 wins, but again, adding nothing really since the finals run, there's not much different to the team construction, especially around the rotation other than Jay being gone since the finals run. So you have to say what makes us better, what elevates us. And there's not a lot there. All right, Philip step in here. As the as the person who probably can see the, the picture without the sun's tinted goggles a little bit better. The end of that series was super weird. The map series I'm talking about. And it looked like something happened. And when you listen or read NBA reporters from different outlets and like credible reporters, people on The Ringer, people on ESPN, people on Sports Illustrated, they all bring up something wonky happened in that series. And there's a chance the Suns were battling COVID. So I think it's it's fair to say like, okay, something weird happened in that Mavs series. So let me kind of push it to the side. And then you have to backtrack. Okay, can we take a ton from the Pelican series? Well, Booker had the hamstring. The Suns were looking really good, struggled a little bit after his hamstring. Chris Paul was still able to bring his heroics. Now, 
Suns fans are in a position to say, okay, how am I supposed to think about this team? I think a lot of it does then wind up falling back to last regular season and the finals run. But what I think that fails to do is it fails to contextualize how how much better certain teams in the West have gotten during that span. That is that is the exact point I wanted to make. Because I think you and Ryan both have just made very valid points of understand the context, do a little bit better of focusing on the entire story, not just the ending. And so I was my next point was going to be, okay, let's scrap, let's scrap what we have seen within what was happening with the Suns. Pretend that didn't happen. Can we all make an argument that all the other teams just got better and we stayed the same? I mean... I'm not sure the Mavericks got better. I'm not saying... Well, they're not a contender. I'm saying the good teams, the teams that we look at and say, they're moving past us. Maybe it's not us falling down the ladder. It's other people making moves to get better. Yeah, I think that's fair. Pelicans, Pelicans, Golden State, when you have... Shocker, when you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, you're better than when you don't. The Nuggets bringing back a healthy, hopefully, you know, uh, Michael Porter Jr. And you've got... uh, uh, Oh, what's his face? Um, Jamal Murray. Jamal Jamal Murray. Sorry, I just blanked. You know, they we haven't seen that fully constructed team you know, yet. I think, Ethan, I think the team that you would be most interested in talking about would be Boston. Like another, another team who went to the finals and then did who, something, who <laughs> lost and did two big moves, one of which got ruined by a torn ACL, but another one has just been brilliant. Malcolm Brogdon as a backup, as a six man who can come in and, and Robert run the show. Williams isn't even playing yet. Right. Like, Right. That's, but that's, that's what, internal. And that's what kills me. Cause I, I agree. I think those, the teams that could make moves to get better, who, and this is no slight to Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, do not have a top three player in the world to say, don't worry, they'll take care of it. They realized that and made moves. And, and I saw within the comments we were talking about, can a team survive without an injury? And the comment was, well, what about Giannis? Yeah, if Giannis is out, the Bucks are toast. Like, for real. And the same thing. If Steph Curry goes out in the playoffs, no one is saying the Warriors taking care of business. Those guys are on another level. Uh, we had a whole episode towards the end of the offseason. That was one of my favorites to record. And it just seems like everyone else realized they need to do something to get better. And look, I think the Mavericks are buffoons. I think the heliocentric Luca is, I almost said something that was probably sacrilegious. He is the guy, if you will, everyone does what he wants. They still brought in Christian Wood. They still brought in uh, eight time NBA champion, JaVale McGee and gold medal winner. Like they did things that they thought would make them better. Did it all pan out? One of those is a guaranteed. No one is still a we'll see, but things look reasonable. The Suns didn't do anything at all. And I think that that is, that is just more and more apparent when you have a Chris Paul foul out or a Aiton foul out or a Cam Johnson miss. And, and Jay Crowder being out is just this insane, weird thing that no one can predict, right? Like, what are you going to do about that? So I do, 
as we kind of continue to move forward with this conversation, I want to go back to um, a question that popped up earlier. I, I said I'd get back to it, and I'm sorry we've been skipping through some. Regarding the Jay Crowder piece of it all, as we talk about the team, how it's constructed, and how it compares to those around us who are getting better or improving, or some of them just figuring it out, like the Cavs, they were figuring it out, and then they made a big move to add to it, and it's working. Regarding the Jay Crowder question here, like, what do you think the Suns should be targeting? Uh, Aussie commented specifically guard depth, maybe power forward bulk, defending mainly uh, another scorer, a flat out star, which they even said they don't think is possible. Like, what do you think we can get, what we should target? And then is that enough? And I know there's lots of people in the comments saying, the Suns are a, a tier two team. And let's say they are. Is there any Jay Crowder team or Jay Crowder trade that moves you from a tier two to a tier one? Or if you're like myself, a tier three to a tier two? Like, what? I don't Do you think Jay Crowder's value has gone up or down? Let's start right there. Let's start with easy answers. Do you think Jay Crowder's value has gone up or down since the beginning of the season? Down, because the Suns were great. And he said, no, I'm good. I'll stay at Georgia Tech making corny videos. Yep. And there's nobody who needs, at least looking kind of big picture, there's nobody who has a desperate need for what Jay Crowder brings to the table. You've brought up several times that it would it would take an injury to that position really I've to been, make I've been Jay waiting Crowder for someone to get hurt. To, to bring that value. And there's nothing that has added any kind of value to that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we can all agree Jay Crowder – has not done anything to help him out. Now, let's let's put the draft picks aside. Techn- this is mean. Technically, if we keep losing, their value goes up. But again, we'll set those aside. The other pieces that could be involved in that trade, uh, someone someone said Atlanta needs a Jay Crowder piece. That actually, <laughs> Atlanta needs a couple things. To they might need a new superstar. They, who knows what's going on with that nonsense. Um, but Crowder's value has gone down. I'm just going to list the names that are typically attached to Jay Crowder rumors. Dario Saric, value up or down? Since the beginning of the season. Up. You're going up, Ryan? I would say same or slightly up. I would say up. I think the last two weeks. Yep. James Jones, re- yes, James Jones really has to be well. thrilled. James <laughs> Jones has to be like giddy every time Dario minutes go well. So Dario up, Jay down. Landry Shamit, up or down? He doesn't get enough minutes. Same. Ryan? Same. I personally think if he got more minutes, it would go up. The Suns aren't too. giving him minutes. So I have no idea what to do with that. And then... You now get past the the triumvirate of trade rumors and you move into who would need to be attached to actually get someone big. And then you move to DA, who I think value absolutely up, but not going anywhere. Right? Better like, not. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, he shouldn't. No way. I think his value has gone so high that there's no way. I think other teams if DA really was on the trade block or a whatever, who knows what goodness, they could be annoyed at themselves for quote, not being interested. Mikhail value up or down. 
I think his value has gone up. I think he has shown that he can continue to do more with the extra usage and the extra minutes. And then Cam Johnson. Question mark looked good before the injury, but then the injury is. That's going to be a big asterisk for a lot of team with his history. I think he's not tradable, right? Like for a variety of reasons, he's his, um, his contract is so small right now since he's still on his rookie. Yeah, I have, think it's just five mil. Yeah, it's a so, tail end of a yeah late lottery pick. Like it's, so, so he's not getting anything of value in return. So there's no, there would be no justification for sending out Cam Johnson, especially when you have him in restricted free agency. You have the opportunity to sign him in the offseason, which they will. And so in assessing all of this, and we're not even talking money, we we can get in the weeds, but it's not worth it. I don't think it makes sense to expect any trade to happen that brings back extreme return that changes the landscape of this team. Unless you're doing a expiring contracts and picks for someone. I think I think that's it. If you're looking at the roster and saying, who can we get for these guys? You're asking the wrong question already. The question is, who can we get for a bunch of picks? And that's the benefit and, of having all your own picks moving forward. Yeah, but it's just, I, I don't know. Like, if you think that they're going to be early to mid to late 20s picks in the first round, there, I mean, that still is value. Don't get me wrong. But you're, you're throwing a bunch of them at the wall to see what sticks. And I, and that just goes back to my answer to the question is I don't think a Jay Crowder trade has the ability to move the needle unless something in the 1% likelihood happens. And I don't think that's going to happen. And people usually within his contract range don't move the needle that much. So it was always going to be Jay Crowder plus other salary filler, Landry Shamit, Dario Saric, campaign maybe, um, others who might have a little bit of value that they could bring to other teams. Uh, But Aussie Suns fan dropped it in the comments. The person who I think could be the best on the Suns and who has playoff experience would be a Kyle Kuzma. I think that would be the kind of guy you want to get. Someone who's offensively capable, who's big enough that I think he could benefit the Suns defensively. And again, he's been there. And Ozzy's saying he's just 13 million. So that's that's Jay. You could probably do it straight up. He, but you're thinking like Jay Crowder plus Dwayne Washington. Isn't, that, Cam, that isn't, Cam, isn't Cam right at three mil a year? Cap Payne, didn't he do like three years, nine or three years, sure. 15? Something sure. stupid low. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the consensus is... If you're expecting to get a star in return, that's not going to happen. And and so the way the team is constructed, you're hoping to bring another high-value utility person who I think could be a starter, but not – And I, I, think, I think all the names that have been mentioned in the chat are the kind of guys we're going to end up with. A Kuzma, a Randall, a Clarkson, one of those guys who can come in, add valuable minutes, but to your point, isn't going to be – a game changer where we just don't have the capacity for that at this point. But I think those are the kinds of names that we'll be looking at. So I think here's, here's where we're at collectively is that the Suns we think the Suns are still a good team 
they're in the conversation to at least make some noise in the playoffs, definitely in the conversation to win a playoff series. But when it comes to the Suns competing at the level that we've seen the last two years and definitely that we saw in 2021, we think the Suns need to make probably moves, plural, in order to reach that level. And that is, regardless of what we saw this week, that's the vibe that we've kind of had as a collective Mm -hmm. for the entirety of the season. Yeah, I think... I don't know why this week seemed to set so many people off, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if it's because of the teams we were playing. Seem, people seem to really hate the Pelicans and, and the, the beef-ish stuff there. Uh, the Celtics loss, other than the fact that it was just brutal for me to stay up that late to watch that game in its entirety live, like the, the blowout aspect, like, yeah, it sucks, but losing to them, that didn't surprise me. And the Mavs... You know, we talked about that last episode. The way they won the game, it makes sense for them to win the game. Suns didn't play horribly. Uh, they honestly won in a lot of key areas where I would hope they would win in a game against the Mavs, given how the Mavs play. And it just didn't go their way. They they used up all their made shots in San Antonio. They didn't carry over to Dallas, and it is what it is. Um, but let's let's move on. We are for those listening uh, on audio, YouTube, whatever. We are on pace for another hour long episode. Uh, thank you and sorry, I guess, if you're still and here. you're welcome. Mm, haven't haven't quite heard a loud enough positive response on any know. social media. You did media. get compared to Jon Snow, so I think that's worth the uh, I was not going to bring it up episode. on the audio. Thank you to the person in the YouTube comments. Hey, that's what you miss when you don't turn it, tune in live on the, inflated on the YouTube channel. My, inflated my ego to an unreal level, so I do appreciate that. Uh, but let's get in to the reason people are here. They just had to wait 45 minutes. Ugh. To get to the only reason they show up waiting. And that's our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows. And Ryan, go ahead, my guy, and start us off with the high on this beautiful 0-3 week. I think that's three weeks in a row you've kicked it off with me first. And I just want to say I'm honored. It's, it's just a little bit of favoritism. I, I just I'm I'm I feel so loved right now. Uh my high uh is somebody that I personally haven't shown a lot of love to. Uh not that I think he's been bad. Um, he just doesn't, he's not somebody that when he's in, I'm paying like a tremendous amount of attention to. Uh, but Josh Akogi is is my high for the week. A lot of times we focus on him as a defensive specialist. Uh, but going into uh, today's Pelicans game on a four, four game stretch, uh, he was averaging 13 points, five and a half rebounds, three assists a game on 41% from three. Uh, putting up stat lines 9, 11, 16, 12, 2, and 3, 28, 7, and 2 in the loss to the Celtics. Uh, going 8-14 uh, from the floor and 4-6 of six from 3 in that Celtics game. So in a blowout game where uh, you're down 40, uh, it was nice to see Okogi uh, to fill it up uh, a little bit that night. Uh, he's since put up two stinkers against the Pelicans, um, at least box score-wise. Uh, but Okogi is a guy who, again, I, I most of the times he's not one that I'm watching with a super close eye. Uh, but I thought for the most part he had a really nice week. So he is my high this week. And Chris Paul's return is is an honorable mention. As much as I've I've been on the uh, that is my low Chris Paul still being out train, uh, it is nice to to see him back and, and knocking off some of the rest. All right, Philip, what you got? I'm gonna keep blaring the horn so Suns fans get it. Da's really good at basketball. Yep. Amen, he had brother. Another really good week. His contract, even, by the way, is a steal. I, that's that's just a quick aside. The fact that the Suns, no matter what, no matter how 
people might have think they fumbled it. People got upset. That contract looks great, and it will for the next few years if this continues. Sorry, go ahead. 2011-3 and three from your center on 70% field goals. The only gripe you can have this week is that he was 63% from the line, and he barely had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio. So his assist-to-turnover ratio was fairly negative coming into today. He had a really good day today passing the ball. I thought he competed well against Zion. Anytime you're asking one of your defenders to go one-on-one with Zion, you're asking for them to get in foul trouble. Zion is relentless. He's incredibly hard to guard. But DA's just not shy at times about getting his chest in the way. There's sometimes when he gets his hands into positions where it's always going to be a foul call, but he's competing. And DA is not the trade ship right now for the Suns. The Suns defense and their offense do not look the same without DeAndre Ayton. He is that dude right now. I said it. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. He is exactly what the Suns need at the five right now. No, I I think you're right. And I think hopefully people do not see the outcomes of this game and come to any conclusions about him being ineffective or him fouling out today like he's been great he is he has been the most consistent player on a very inconsistent team we talked about that at length last week the inconsistency of this team which by the way showed itself again in the last three nights as some people were great and some weren't it's needed if da were to have a slump that we saw occasionally over the last year or two goodness these games would be ugly real real quick so no i agree um i've been really happy with with him uh my high and at this point it's i'm almost getting to the point where i feel like i am ryan cheering for campaign just screaming into an endless void landry shamit is like i he is doing so much with so little and a tweet that stood out to me today that I wanted to bring up because I agreed with it completely uh, came from Brendan Clean 14. Brendan Clean 14 said, Landry Shamit is the king of the deceiving box score. And he is right. If you w- look at his box score to determine how well he was, that's just not the right way to do it. There are some guys that contribute in ways that don't just jump out. Like, no, he's not going to drop 20. And to be honest with you, my, my like one B for this week was Tory Craig. Tory Craig, in my opinion, was great. Like he offensively is at least making the decisions that are needed from him. He's not going to shoot 45% from three, like Cam Johnson's going to, but he's at least playing his role properly and making the decisions that a player in that spot should within the Suns offense. He is, I think, figuring it out offensively, and his offensive rebounds, his hustle, his defense also have just been phenomenal in a spot where it is desperately needed. So Landry, Torrey, I thought both of them had very, we're not going to get a lot of attention, but we're doing a lot of good things. And honestly, that just, it's just frustrating because certain people just keep getting crapped on. I mean, I, I think I saw every single Suns player got crapped on by someone outside of maybe Mikhail. Mikhail is near untouchable when it comes to Twitter mentions. I'll be honest with you. 
he is loved at such a level that he could just sit on the court and people be like, that was a really brave decision for Mikhail to let them go five on four for some <laughs> reason. Like, good on you. But the Suns players are getting pooped on, and some of them are working their butts off in really tough situations. And so I appreciate both of those guys and what they brought. Um, low for the week, uh, Philip All. Oh, quick, quick other high. It's not super basketball related. Devin Booker had his number retired at Moss Point, and the entire team went to the ceremony. I thought that was so cool. That was like my favorite moment of the week. Coaches plus entire roster almost. I don't think I saw anyone missing. All went to the high school for the ceremony. That was awesome. Those are the moments where I'm like, even even if they look rough on the court, this is at least a team that loves each other. Mm-hmm. And that is important in moments like this. So sorry, there's hey, my, Ethan, my my one extra high. When you get your uh, your high school soccer jersey retired, I'll Dude, be I'm, there. No I problem. I'm still waiting to get put into that Greenwood High School Hall of Fame for athletics. Hey, but just know I'll be there. I'll you. be there in a blink. I appreciate that, uh, Philip. You got you got some lows for this week. Yes, and it might be surprising because it's a nitpicky thing. I love it's, nitpicky. Nah, you're not gonna like this one. It's Tory <laughs> Craig. Podcasting sucked. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's Tory Craig. Mm, I I <laughs> think within the flow of the offense. So within the flow of the offense, he's not good and verges on bad. Sometimes I think his decision making is clunky. I, I think looked, his. I thought it his, looked better. I think his entry level passing is atrocious. It was horrendous okay, so against the Pelicans. But he saw our backup point guard. Yes, but the, but even today, like you could tell, there was a concerted effort to get Dario and Da to pass the ball to each other and to actually work different angles. Tory Craig on Friday night was so bad offensively in getting the ball to DA DA was getting JV into really good positions down on the block. When a big gets a monstrosity of a human like Valanchunas down on the block, you have to get them the ball immediately one hard dribble to get an angle and get it in. And Tory Craig sitting there like going side to side with his pivot foot. That's basketball fundamentals. Change the angle with the dribble, get the ball down low. Little stuff like that matters a great deal for this offense. Because you want the ball to whip around and you want quick decisions to be made. Some might say within roughly half a second, <laughs> if you know, you know. And I don't think Tory Craig is always great at fitting within that kind of an offense. All that to say, some people are clowning on this on Twitter. I think this team really misses Cam Johnson. Yeah. A million a percent. That is a that's the thing that I cannot I cannot get over. People's reaction to the team, how it was currently constructed, yet they forget that a m- couple months ago it was this dude is ready to elevate to the starting lineup. He is doing great. He's having all these great performances. He's able to facilitate. His passing is great. His shooting is great. Defensively, he stepped up. And then he goes out and people are like, wait a second, why aren't things working? What what do you mean? The fact that that it, would even be a hot take, it, it just speaks to no, how people, short of a memory. People are legitimately, legitimately, I've seen that too, Philip. People are like, it shouldn't be this different. Morons. <laughs> like, I don't But care. this is, that's, that's so stupid. 
like the difference offensively between Cam Johnson and Torrey Craig is sizable. Now, Torrey Craig, offensive rebounding, great. He can yep. bring a different level of physicality and strength defensively. Maybe he's even at, on a whole better against a team like the Pelicans because he can hypothetically be part of guarding Zion for at least a little bit during the game. But when it comes to his position on the offensive end, I just don't think there's enough fluidity in Torrey's offensive game for him to fit the continuity that the Suns like to play with. I agree. I miss Cam Johnson very much, but you all know how I feel about that and how much I love him, which is a deep, deep love. Uh, Dark Phoenix in the comment says, and no, Jay Crowder hurts the team too. Jay Crowder can kick rocks. I mean, I he's mean, right. His sentiment yeah. is not incorrect, but yes, Cam Johnson, I feel for because he wanted to fight for this team. Jay Crowder said, no, thank you. I'm good. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it would be great to have. If you could put his skill set into Torrey Craig, I mean, I wouldn't be upset about that. Especially if you could take the offense rebounding from Torrey with him. Like, no, it's it's. Well, we talked about that last season. Jay Crowder provides a skill set. Cam Johnson provides a skill set. Both of those could work within the starting lineup. Torrey Craig's skill set was never supposed to be in the starting lineup. No one was having offseason discussions about maybe Torrey Craig moves into the starting lineup. <laughs> no, no, we got him for cash for a re like here. Here's a guy nicknamed six. Can we have Torrey back? Like, oh, goodness. After the finals run, if his value was to the level that people we wouldn't have let him go. Right. Like, oh, it's just frustrating. Cam Johnson is such a massive loss. Because defensively, he does a lot more than people give him credit. And offensively, he is such a weapon from the perimeter, not just shooting, but also attacking the closeout, that it affects how a defense can guard the Suns five. Torrey Craig out there allows another team to say, oh, we're good there. They're cool if Torrey goes four or five from three, because that means they let the Suns have Torrey Craig shoot five threes. That's probably pretty good defensively. Sorry, I'm going to, I'll be done. Uh, where were we? Uh, my host hat went off, and I, I I got bad. Yep, Lowe's. Uh, Philip hit his low. Ryan, you got a low? It's just, why can't we have nice things? We finally get Chris Paul back, and then Devin Booker's out with an injury. It's just one thing after another, and it's just a bummer. And after the way Chris Paul's injury was handled, even though they're talking like Devin Booker's injury isn't much, I also didn't think heel soreness was much. And here we are 14 games later, and he finally plays again, so... Who knows what to expect with Book's in injury, but man, we just can't catch a break. And it's it's just tiring at this point. Yeah, I I agree. It is very frustrating. Um, goodness, how much do I want to get us in trouble? We're at the 58-minute mark. No one's listening anymore. Dark Phoenix is. My low for the week is Sun's Twitter. Mm. Disappointing. Disappointing. Mm. People who should at not. People. At nope, people. Drop nope. ads. I'm smart enough for that. People <laughs> who should be. Mm, nope. Bad wording. People who I wouldn't imagine. Saying some things were saying some things. People who should not be going at other people in the mentions. were going at them. People who were like screaming into the void at Pelicans fans. Like, hey. Pelicans fans, come at us when you knock us out. No. Number one, don't punch down. I would also counter that with, also don't punch up. Just don't punch. Like, just 
stop. Don't be the fan base that people hate. Don't infight. Don't get annoyed at other people for having differing opinions. It is it is what it is. But it's silly that a four-game losing streak to four teams with either MVP candidates or legit contenders is like, time to destroy each other, guys. Like, you live through a 19-win season, and this is what's going to break you? Nah, be better. Be better. Don't tweet at random Pelicans fans. Don't tweet. Don't tweet at the Sun social media. That's bull crap. They didn't. They didn't make bad decisions. Don't hop in the Suns mentions because you're annoyed with Monty Williams. They didn't do it. They're a social. Wait, you media. mean that's not a direct report to report to supervisor button? I mean, goodness gracious, just, just it. I don't know. That really annoys me. I'm like, I love interacting with Suns Twitter, the Suns fans in general, but like, be be better. Like we we should be better. But anyway, there's my low, uh, Ryan. You got a just so you know for me? Uh, I do. Uh, Outside of basketball, and you've touched on this a little bit, uh, it's been a dope week for Devin Booker's philanthropy. Uh, If you aren't familiar, uh, Devin Booker committed um, to $2.5 million worth of donations to nonprofit organizations in the Phoenix areas, uh, helping out with kids and families. Uh, And this week he followed through on what is essentially year four of that. So now $2 million he's donated. He donated 100K to five different nonprofit orgs in Phoenix, um, bringing that total again to $2 million with the next 500K coming next season. Uh, But on top of that, you already mentioned his visit to uh, Moss Point High School, the former high school where he and his dad were. Um, And on top of having his jersey retired there, uh, he committed to replacing the flooring and the locker rooms for his old high school, uh, which is super cool. So it's one of those things with great power comes great responsibility. And it's cool to see people who have that um, luxury and that privilege give back to people who aren't as uh, privileged and don't have those luxuries. And so I kind of want to pivot that into an opportunity for our listeners. Uh, If if you're still hanging with us at this point, I I will do kind of a shameless plug. If you aren't familiar with bright side, this is this year um, we're uh, participating in the seventh annual bright side night. And this is an opportunity for you to give back um, to some kids in the Phoenix area and to get them to a basketball game. So just some details on that. Um, It's $15 pays for two kids to go to the game. So basically $15 buys a ticket and the Phoenix Suns will match that purchase. So if you buy one ticket, the Suns will buy another one. If you buy 25 tickets, the Suns will buy another 25. Um, So it's a really great program. We'd encourage you all to participate in that. This is our seventh year doing it, um, and there are some incentives for for higher donations and higher ticket orders, Um, but if you go to Google and just search Brightside Night 2023, um, you will find, and Ethan's actually dropping that link uh, in the chat as well, it'll take you to the page where you can get all the details on that, Um, but the game's going to take place January 30th against the Raptors there in Phoenix. we would love for you guys to participate in this. We know uh, Giving Tuesday just took uh, place last Tuesday. The holiday season's approaching, and I can't think of a better way uh, to spend some of that or share some of that holiday cheer than to helping um, some of the kids and families there in the Phoenix area with Brightside Night. So following in Devin Booker's uh, uh, footsteps here, we just want to help uh, help promote that as best we can. And we're proud that uh, the Brightside Network is, is going to be part of that effort and really taking that effort head on. 
yeah, Dave, Dave's killing it with that. And, and we, I put out there on our Twitter as well. Um, anyone that does donate, anyone who does put money in and gift some tickets towards that, hit us up with a screenshot on Twitter or send us a DM. If you don't want it to be public, whatever, uh, we would love to, to give you a shout out on the podcast in the upcoming weeks leading up to that. Absolutely. Um, we think that's awesome. Like it's really cool that the group that we're a part of has been able to do so, so much good and make such a big impact. So I think, I think that's a great shout. Philip, you got anything that uh, the people might just want to know? Get right game on Tuesday against the Rockets. I know what happened against the Rockets last time, but they are the 24th ranked offense and 28th ranked defense. If you're looking for a game to kind of resettle, get yourself right, get your defense back, get your offense going in a positive direction. That's the game. So I would predict a Suns, I'll say 12 to 17 point win being safe against the Rockets. I hope so. I watched that Rockets game with you. I watched that Rockets game uh, at your house and I had a uh, out of body response to how that game ended. So I'm, I'm hoping, hoping for a better response. I did not handle that one well. Oddly enough, all the losses this week, I was like, all right, I'm tired. I'm upset that I'm still awake. But that Rockets one, that one, that one, that one stung a little bit. Uh, my, just so you know, and I hate leaving us on what some may view as a pessimistic or uh, unfortunate note, but it's, it's real life. And so I share these things with you. Uh, Ryan made a comment early on about how it allows us to or allows the team to you know drop some games but still we're talking like going from one to four not one to nine currently in the western conference the suns are two and a half games from being out of the play-in tournament the western conference right now is interesting right now you've got the suns two and a half games back from new orleans and like ryan mentioned we've dropped from one to four we are two and a half games above the Timberwolves, who are 11th. Between there, we've got Pelicans, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Suns, Kings, Blazers, Clippers, Warriors, Jazz, Mavs, T-Wolves. And then the Thunder are actually only two games back from that. We have said many, many times that we try not to overreact to the beginning of a season. We want to see a few games. We usually give it about a quarter of the season before we say all right now we know who this team is and usually there's some you know the 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 standing stratified to some extent you see who's grouped where you see who's grouped where and you can kind of make some inferences from that the only teams in my opinion that have done that are the Celtics and the Bucks the Celtics and the Bucks I think have made it very clear in the east that they are going to be above the rest I don't see the Cavs quite climbing into that I think they'll continue to succeed. But I think the Bucks and the Celtics are those teams in the East. I don't think we have that team in the West quite yet. There are a lot of teams convinced that they can be that team in the West, but no one has quite showed it. There have been lots of injuries. We already talked. The Suns are going through it. Pelicans are without Brandon Ingram. You can go down the list. The Western Conference is very open. And for that, I am nervous. The reason I say that is, uh, knock on wood, the Suns are one injury away from being in big poop. And there's other teams that I could say the same thing. There's other teams that are one injury away from completely fading. 
But with Booker coming out, and I hope he's back soon, I start getting a little nervous because we're still early enough that we don't have a, a mountain of wins to rely on like we did at times last season. I just think it's interesting. We haven't had that team in the West yet, which allows those conversations we've had about who are contenders, who's not. You know, we're currently arguing that the only contender in the West just so happens to be the eighth seed. The only reason we're saying that is because no one else has proved us wrong. So it's a lot easier to rely on history, what has been proven, and what we have seen, which is the NBA Finals where Golden State showed that they are absolutely insane still. And on multiple nights throughout the season, they show us that they are still that team. And they've had their inconsistencies and injuries and weirdness, but we haven't seen that in the West. I'm curious what week of this podcast are we going to say, okay, I think we've got it figured out. I think we know who that one seed's going to be. I know who that one, two, three are going to be. Are we in that group? Are we in the lower group? Are we competing for a play-in spot? I don't know, but I still haven't seen enough to make that decision, which is really crazy 27 games in because that's so different from what we typically see. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to make fans upset. Just say, hmm, Ethan, interesting point. Thank you. I, I don't know, but I thought it was weird, and I don't love it. I would like a little less ambiguity and a little more certainty. But alas... That's my just so you know. Uh, gentlemen, want to plug one more thing before I, I turn it over to you for some uh, closing remarks. And uh, Dark Phoenix in the comments saying, after the trades, we should know. I think that is a good point. I think it's going to be very clear which teams actually believe they've got the juice and are making a run and which ones are saying, we have more wins than we expected. We need to get rid of some players so that we can go get that really tall French man. So we'll see what happens. Um, and it's actually a, a pretty good draft. Overall, it, it's kind of being dominated by the top two. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, final plug, wanted to let the folks know that starting uh, January 2023, we will be moving all of our episodes to live shows just like we're doing now on Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Central Time. I know you Phoenix weirdos have weird time zone. That's your fault, not mine. 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We hope that if you've been listening for a while, you will come join us. If you've been nothing but a listener, you will become a watcher, which sounds very ominous. Uh, but it allows you to hop in the comments, talk with us. I love episodes like this where we sure have a direction, but random comments and questions can allow us to continue to maybe explore some ideas that we hadn't thought of. Or for people to tell us that we're uh, wrong dumb or look like a character from game of thrones all are great additions to the episode uh but again be on the lookout for that that'll be in a few weeks as we kind of toy with our holiday schedule uh guys anything you want to add as we bring this to a close no. go son go son and with that i'm ethan shut and for philip and ryan this is into the valley a phoenix suns podcast we out you know nothing john snow <laughs> <laughs>